Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're looking at the diversity of university faculty. Here with Mary Beth Gassman, professor of higher education at UPenn GSE, and also founding director of the Penn Center for Minority Serving Institutions. Mary Beth, welcome to the EdCast. Thanks. It's great to be here. You know, we've really seen small changes in the number of diverse faculty amongst college campuses. Can you just give us a little history of this, and why do you think that's the case? Well, um, you're absolutely right. Uh, we um, have seen small changes. There, there um, have been, you know, tiny little increases, but by and large, the professoriate has remained overwhelmingly white. And um, f- for me, that's, you know, I- incredibly problematic. It's it's always been problematic for me since I've entered the professoriate, but it's even more problematic right now because one of the things that we know is as of 2014, the um, K-12 population is now majority minority, and that means that, um, you know, right before our eyes that the college population is very soon going to be majority minority, and I think we're doing an incredible disservice to all of our students by not having a diverse professoriate. So, you know, right now it's... Um, Uh, 79% of the full-time faculty in colleges and universities are white. And many, many college students, regardless of race, go through their entire four years or six years um, not having a faculty member of color. And I think it's incredibly more important for uh, students of color to have faculty of color, but I also think it's incredibly important for white students to have faculty of color. Uh, So I'm, I'm very concerned. So it seems like uh, people have always been trying to attempt to remedy this. Uh, A Google News search of diverse faculty produced over 147,000 returns, often about institutions trying to create ways to recruit more diverse faculty through pipelines or dedicated funding specifically to conduct such searches. But you recently wrote a, a very popular essay about almost this inherent ineffectiveness of such efforts to recruit faculty of color. So are, are these efforts truly not working? And a little bit about your essay. So a couple of things. I do think that universities across the country, many of them are sinking money into diversity efforts and do have a variety of different programs. These typically come from the administrative level. Okay, so there are initiatives by the president, there are initiatives by the provost. The problem is uh, that it, where, where hiring occurs is with faculty. So for me, I really wrote the essay that I published in the Heckinger Report in the Washington Post, picked it up. Um, I wrote it about faculty because I think that faculty are the problem. And I say this as a faculty member. You know, as a faculty member, I have witnessed all kinds of things at a variety of different institutions where I've either taught or visited where faculty, uh, not, not necessarily presidents or provosts or even, I mean, occasionally it is a dean, but, but um, faculty have been the roadblock to increasing faculty diversity. And so I wrote specifically about the various things that I see faculty do. So a little bit more about what faculty do now and what you hope faculty could do to remedy this. So I'm uh, an absolute optimist, so I'll end with some optimism about this uh, in terms of a remedy. But, you know, the first thing that I see people do is I see whenever we, we bring up 
the idea of hiring a, a faculty member of color, I always hear the word quality brought up. So whenever we talk about it's really important to diversify the faculty, you know, inevitably a bunch of faculty will bring up the word quality, and they immediately link lack of quality with diversity. And those two words should never be in the same sentence unless you're saying that the increased diversity increases your quality. Because there's no reason to bring up quality when you talk about diversity. That, what that says is that you just automatically assume that people of color aren't as good as you. And, you know, another thing that happens is that uh, many times faculty want to, they want to make sure that a person has been mentored by specific um, well-known people in the field. They want to make sure that they went to the right institutions and have the right pedigree. And what that does is it just perpetuates privilege over and over and over because having the right pedigree and having the right mentor is completely linked to social capital. It's also linked to kind of the systemic racism that exists within the academy. Um, I also often will hear faculty, when they can't find people to, uh, to apply for positions, what they'll say is, well, they're not in the pipeline. And I hear this from people in education, humanities, social work, you know, across the board where I know that there are people of color in the pipeline. Um, and we know from all of the national data, it would be different if you were talking about uh, physics or engineering. Uh, in, in those, um, economics is another area where you, have, you don't have as many people in the pipeline. However, my response to that is then, you know, get off your butt create the pipeline, especially these elite institutions that have billions of dollars in endowments. There's absolutely no reason, if you really deeply care about, about justice and equity, you can get off your butt and create a pipeline. It's very easy. You can even create an elite pipeline if you want. At least it would be a pipeline. But you would have a pipeline from other institutions that you think prepare students similarly to yours. So there are so many ways to do this. And another thing that I have um, noticed is that uh, you know faculty tend to break rules and um, kind of uh, build bridges, or well, the way I stated it is knock down walls when they want to hire a white colleague. And oftentimes that white colleague is someone from an elite institution who has a very well-known mentor. So, you know, all of a sudden you can find the money to fly the person in for the interview when you couldn't find the money to bring in a person of color. You can find the, uh, the time to have a second meeting. So, for example, a lot of times you have to vet people twice for hiring processes. And when it's a person of color, people will say, well, we don't have enough time to do that. But when it's a white person who's mentored by the right person who went to the right institution, then we have that time. And I have seen that multiple times. And I'm the kind of person that I have called these things out. It's often been ignored, but still have called these kinds of exceptions out. I, sometimes when I say this, people will say, yeah, but what about targets of opportunities? Those are the instances where we might try to hire a person of color outside of a regular search. So those 
those actually are an excellent idea for hiring people of color. Ironically, we end up hiring a lot of white people that way, too, because targets of opportunity aren't just based on race. The other thing is that those targets of opportunities tend to be uh, not liked by a lot of white faculty because they consider that to be an exception. Um, what they don't realize is one of the reasons why we have to do things like this is because, you know, our faculty is, is so white it, and we don't have the diversity that we need in the faculty. And we haven't seen movement among African-Americans, Latinos, even Asian-Americans. Outside of the sciences, Asian-Americans are underrepresented in the academy. And we, we, don't, we hardly have any Native American faculty. So, um, so there are lots and lots of things that are being done that run counter to that whole idea of um, we want diversity. I also think that faculty search committees are not trained. They don't know, they don't know where to look. They don't know um, how to really sy systematically attract uh, a diverse pool. And then when they get the diverse pool, they continue to interpret it with their same lens of, you know, you have to have this pedigree in order to be successful at this institution. One thing I find is that even people who don't have that pedigree, who are now at these elite institutions end up being elitists themselves. So they will want the pedigree of all the elite institutions, even when they don't have it. And, and uh, you know, this is, this is very, very interesting to me. So uh, to, to be positive, what I would say is uh, one of the things I recommended in, in this essay is, you know, um, the nearly 600 minority-serving institutions across the country, the black colleges, tribal colleges, Hispanic-serving institutions, and Asian-American Pacific Islander-serving institutions, have beautifully diverse faculty, the most diverse faculty in the country. And I don't mean, you know, that, that it's all one race within each of these, or, these uh, institutions. What I mean is that all of those institutions have diverse faculties. So... I wonder why we don't go and ask them, how do you recruit a diverse faculty? How do you retain that diverse faculty? What are some things that you're doing? Um, that would be the first step. I don't think that, I don't think the answers to this are hard. I think that um, you have to have a will and you have to really, really want to, um, to, to change the, the makeup of the faculty. And then once you do, you have to be able to, you know, to be willing to listen to these new faculty of color. You can't invite someone to dinner and not let them eat. And that's what we do far too often. So I think it's very easy. They're out there. They're interested. Uh, they want to, to um, contribute in really uh, meaningful ways. But we have to create the pathways to do that, and we have to have a will, and then we have to be willing to be open to uh, things operating a little differently. Mary Beth, last question. You, you talk about sort of optimism here. Are, are you hopeful for the future? It's a lot of good theoretical observations, a lot of uh, instances, but maybe not in a majority of institutions or universities across the country. Are, are you hopeful that things will change? You talk about having a will. Is there a cultural will amongst the academy that this will happen and, and that money will be uh, put into place and that faculty and administration will get on the same page and, and make this sea change? Well, I mean, I am hopeful, but uh, so I'll tell you a couple reasons why I'm hopeful and then a couple um, cautions I would have. The first one is I don't think it's necessarily about money. I think it's about uh, 
about calling out this, uh, frankly, racist behavior among white faculty around the hiring of faculty of color. I think more white people have to call this out. And what happens is that uh, I think that you definitely have a lot of hope among younger faculty. I think that there are some uh, more established faculty who are very, very open to diversifying the professoriate. But I do think that there are those who want to keep it the same. And, you know, when you have 79% of the professoriate being white, that's where the power is held. And, and until that changes, it's very, very hard to change the makeup of the faculty. And uh, across all institutions, it's very, very hard when the power rests with majority white men who at this point, you know, are realizing that that power is slipping across the country. That's why we have a lot of, uh, you know, the political activity that we have going on right now. So I think I'm hopeful because of young people who, you know, people of color who are becoming part of the professoriate, young white scholars who are much, much more open um, to uh, uh, driving, you know, equity forward and speaking up. I, I'm very hopeful about that. I, I do... I do think that we need to do more than put money into these things and create programs. We have to change the mindset of the current faculty. We, and and we, we have to get them to realize that they are ill-equipped to educate the diverse nation that is standing right before them. Mary Beth Gassman, professor of higher education at UPenn GSE and founding director of the Penn Center for Minority Serving Institutions. Mary Beth, if people want to learn more about your research, your work, where can they go? Uh, well, they can go to the Penn Center for Minority Serving Institutions, which if you just Google that, you can find it really quickly. Um, I'm pretty easy to find on the Internet, too, and um, I'm very responsive. I love talking to people about these issues, and I do have a new book uh, published by uh, Harvard University Press um, that is called Educating a Diverse Nation, and it uh, talks about many, many of these issues that I, that I brought up, so uh, that might be a, a good place to start. Be sure to buy the book and Google her. She's got lots of great things to say. Mary Beth, thanks for taking the time and having these conversations, these important conversations with us here today on the EdCast. Oh, my pleasure. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening.